What up, bros? What up, bros? <laughs> and welcome to Brown Meets World. When it's Brown Meets World. Your boy meets world fun cost. I am Siege. I am Tony Curtis. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. All right. So, you know, I like before we get started on this very heavy episode, I do want to say we just did an entire episode about karaoke and we didn't even ask each other what our favorite karaoke songs are. Like, I was like, that was a missed opportunity. So I wanted to bring that back a little bit and just be like, T, what is your go-to karaoke song? Um, you know, it depends on how confident I'm feeling in my singing abilities. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I love doing a Bruno Mars because I can do the splits and it's a crowd you, pleaser. Of course, of course you do. I don't um, know why I didn't think you would do Bruno Mars. <laughs> but if my voice is shot from drinking too much, it's Ice Ice Baby because I can rap and I know the dance moves. And again, it's a crowd pleaser, but I don't have to sing. What, what's your it. go-to? Okay, so almost always, especially if there's like more than one person, I'm going to do Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way. Like Great. like, like I have uh, the choreography down. Like th th That's like my performance one. Mm -hmm. If it's just me, I go between... Nelly's Ride With Me, which I know Great. beat for beat and is always a crowd pleaser, or Aerosmith's don't want to miss a thing. What a great karaoke song! But those notes, those <laughs> notes. You don't. It doesn't. You're not even trying to hit those notes properly. You're just trying to be Steven Tyler. And... Sure, you do that. You do that. You hold <laughs> yeah. the mic and then you give it to the crowd for them to sing exactly. the high notes. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? We have a guest on this episode that I would love Absolutely. to introduce, uh, so we can find out her very favorite karaoke song. Yeah, you may know her from her YouTube channel where she mainly talks about her favorite kid shows and movies from either nostalgia or to give praise to something new. Either way, we would love to welcome Caitlin McKillop. Hey, yo. That's Hi. Nice. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so, guys for having me on. Yes, thank you so much for joining us again you on know, this uh, very special episode. <laughs> before we get dive in, I just want to quickly, I said this before we started recording, but I saw Caitlin's video that she made um, about Corey and Topanga. And it literally, like, as I was watching it, I was like, I need to have her on the podcast. Like, she broke down their relationship from a perspective that, you know, I thought was completely in line with the things that we've talked about in their uh the history of their relationship but she did it with such a knowledge of the series that i was just like oh she knows her shit let's bring her on so i'm just i'm super excited to to have you on oh thank you so much yeah that video was a lot of fun to do i've wanted to do that for a really long time but as you guys know very long series and so like wrapping my head around like okay we're gonna talk about all of it was a lot but it was a lot of fun for sure before we get too far uh can you tell our listeners what's your history with boy meets world ah my history so i am a bit younger so i'm 24 so i wasn't um around when the show was airing i kind of got into it more in like 2015 because i was more into disney channel and i was really into the descendants franchise and so then that got me into girl meets world but i'm big on like if i'm gonna start something it's got to be at the beginning and so i was like okay let's watch boy meets world first and I'm so thankful that I did that because I very much so appreciate Boy Meets World, maybe a bit more than Girl Meets World. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm really happy I discovered it when I did. That's so interesting. As like, a, I don't know, a senior millennial or anything like that, <laughs> it's very interesting to see that 
A, I'm very similar where if I'm going to start something, I like to start from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But for as you're right, if you're going to start from the beginning of Girl Meets World, where you actually have to go mm -hmm. all the way back to the beginning of Boy Meets World, mm -hmm. um, and then to just know that um, there is a new generation doing that is actually really like amazing. And I guess the show will like just continue to live. It's really fun. It's the okay. Star Wars approach. It's you have to start <laughs> with New Hope, so you might as well start at the beginning. So, um, Caitlin, you know, before we dive in too deep. Um, favorite karaoke song? Oh, favorite karaoke song. Um, I don't think I've ever done karaoke. <gasps> I think there was one time when my dad had like a karaoke birthday party, and I believe my friends and I sang uh, "Round and Round" by Selena Gomez. And honestly, I feel like that's a great choice. So I'd say that's that a again. good one. 100%. Selena Gomez is a really, you know, she's within your range vocally. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yo, can I just throw this out there real fast um, in terms of karaoke? Because we have a lot of new listeners. I don't know who has the connection, but I need someone to make this happen. If you're listening and you work at Disney, I want to know why neither Disney Land or Disney World has a Disney-based karaoke bar where you can go and just sing Disney songs. Like, there is right there a large library of material <laughs> to choose from. Everyone loves Disney songs, but they're not the kind mm -hmm. of songs you want to whip out at a karaoke bar necessarily. Like I'm just saying, someone needs to make that happen because uh, no, maybe because they don't want you drunk at Disney World. Because here's the thing about karaoke: it only gets better when you're drunk, and a bunch of drunk adults singing Disney songs may actually scare the children. <laughs> I'm not guy. saying I'm against it. I'm highly in favor. I'm just saying maybe Disney is like, this is not what we want. <laughs> Hide that shit in like a corner of Epcot or in California Adventure where the kids can't see it. I'm 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 in it. <laughs> I love it. Are you excited to get into this episode? This episode. Okay. There is so much to talk about with this episode and I know we have to blaze through it but I I've been looking forward to getting to this episode because I knew that even though the first half of season six was mostly forgettable episodes that this is where things will start getting really substantial yeah and um Caitlin really quickly have you I mean you've done the entire span <laughs> of the series so like are you familiar with this season overall or have you like did you do like a once through and then you're like, oh yeah, it was just like a little quick reminder. Well, I listened to your guys' episode, so I'd be like, remember what was going on last week? And then I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I love the karaoke episode, so I'm sure the next one will be great as well. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Dad dies. Okay. I'm definitely, like, familiar with, like, once I start an episode, then it all comes back to me. But I haven't rewatched in a little while. So this was a fun little reminder as to what point in the show you guys are at. Absolutely. An okay, so part. as you said, see, let's get into the tell me about it where we All right. dive deep into this episode. All right, you have a tell me about it? I do, I do, I do. <clears throat> tell us about it. Chad Hunter has come home and wants to connect with both Sean and Jack, but things start to change with a heart attack. Oh, good for you. I love that you made it work. I also have to say to all of our listeners out there, we have been looking at all of your feedback and it is so fun to see people be like, but tell me about it is one of my favorite parts. Uh, <laughs> so I just want to get we shoehorned this segment into our podcast for no reason, and I'm so glad it's taking on legs of its Yeah, own. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So everyone, this is season six, episode 13. We'll have a good time then. Sean and Jack's ne'er-do-well father, Chet, reappears on campus, suddenly and confronted by an angry Sean, 
promises that he has come to stay and make amends with his sons for never being around. But after treating them to a steak dinner and consuming a piece of Rachel's killer chocolate cake, Chet suffers a, suffers a heart attack. Sean and Chet realize just how much they need each other, but by then it's too late. Mm. First impressions. Well, um, <laughs> hey, what are your first impressions of this very, very happy episode of Boy Meets World? Yeah, right? Honestly, for me, it was just nice to have a Sean and Jack episode because I mm. feel like for most of the show, they forget that they're even brothers and they're hardly even having any storylines together. And so I was like, at least this is a good episode for that. Absolutely. That's it's such a so, great point. That was literally my first note. And my mm. first thoughts was just this idea of we never... I'm. Uh, if anything, the moment it started, I was like, oh, it's this episode. And even by the title, we'll have a good time then. I don't know if most of you know what it's from, but it is from the song uh, Cats in the Cradle. Uh, which is I that why playing. that song was playing when we yeah, started that's recording? What I was oh my God, amazing. It's, it's Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chaplin. And basically the whole song itself is about a father and son who just like the timing was never right the dad was too busy for the son when he was younger and then now that the father is older he wants to make time for his son but his son is like yo i'm busy so it's like it, it made sense the moment i saw the name of the title but when i watched this i was like ah oh, i'm so upset we only get jack and um sean in this way when it's a very special episode um you know as i was watching it I was also taken uh, back by the fact that we did see Jack and Sean together, but I also saw the show kind of reference the fact that they haven't been close. There's, you know, even Corey says, why don't we all hang out together all the time? Like there's all of these uh, kind of self reflections of how the relationship has uh, kind of broken. But what I love is that, you know, th throughout the time that we've been watching season five and season six, we're like, oh, they're not mentioning this. They're not mentioning that. But they kind of recon it all in this episode because we were like, why isn't Jack trying to get a hold of his dad? And then we find out, oh, Chet's been on the road. OK, sure. Explains oh, things like okay. all that stuff. A few things. One is that they don't say when they ask the question, why don't we do this more often? They blame Topanga. In that, like, they go, why don't we do this more often? And then Topanga yells, Corey! And he goes, gotta go. And it's like, no, that's not, like, that's, it's such a television trope of, oh, guys would totally hang out with their friends if it wasn't for their pesky wives. And I was like, there's, like, this, that's not why they don't hang out. They don't hang out because Sean clearly has a problem with Jack. Like, that is apparent. You didn't need Topanga to be the punchline in that. Yeah. And so I just, I saw it. I wanted to acknowledge because it just made me angry. Yeah. And I do feel like they tried to like sandwich in as many like um, kind of comedic beats as possible to kind of balance out this very heavy episode. But to your point, like um, Topanga's not the reason they don't hang out. If anything, Corey's the person who prioritizes Topanga over his friends continuously, which is the reason why they're not hanging out. It has very little to do with Topanga. Caitlin, what do you think about Sean at this point in time in the series? Because Sean is kind of like trying to find himself, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I've never really thought about it, to be honest. I really would love to do a deeper dive into Sean and Angela, to be specific. Um, because a lot of the feedback on my video was like, yeah, you should talk about Sean and Angela instead because they're the healthier couple. Mm. But I And I feel like I always enjoyed them because they were kind of like that relief from Corey and Topanga. But 
for Sean specifically, I feel like, I don't know, maybe he was a bit of a lost soul at this point in time. <laughs> no, it's so funny that you say that because I honestly, like, when I watched your video and I saw where we were at, I was like, I wonder if she's done or if she's in the process of making an episode of Sean and Angela because it is a, it's a completely different dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have their on again, off again for different reasons. But part of the reasons is what we get in this episode, which is Sean really trying to identify what is it in him that pushes people away. And, and to and your I, point, oh, I'm just sorry, Caitlin, for your point about him being a lost soul, you know, he kind of starts the episode with the same lamenting that he ended the last episode with, which is, there's something wrong with me. Corey, there's something wrong with me. Like, I don't know what it is. And then enters Chet and Sean goes, that's what it Mm. is. Oh Um, my God. Can we talk really quick roll call? Blake Clark. Who plays Chet. He is so charming. Like, like, they, they really do make it hard. Like, I think part of what really hits this episode is not just the eventual death of Chet, but just Chet is, they remind us, they give us some time with Chet to where we were like, oh man, like I really do love and will miss this character. It's so funny when I was talking, uh, I talked to my wife and I was like, oh, we're doing the the episode where Sean's dad dies today. And she goes, Chet? (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) oh, that's so funny that like, even though you scarcely watch this show, you understand who Sean's dad is. You have a personal connection with him because he's so instantly, like you said, lovable. And what I thought was really unique is that I don't know that I've ever seen television give us a lovable deadbeat dad like a Mm -hmm. deadbeat dad that you're just like oh like but i love him though like almost to enough to excuse the absentee of him you know what i mean of him being around for his kids so uh, to me i just think he's such a unique character and the way that um blake portrays him kind of forgives a lot of the the judgments that you would give a typical father who was absent from their kids lives i feel like every time chet came in on an episode it's like you want to be mad at him for everything he's done to sean you want to give him consequences for all of his actions but then he's just like you said he's so lovable and charismatic and it's every time it's like oh that's just chet that's just the way he is so it's hard yeah, definitely. See, and to your point, I, I'm, I was thinking, and listeners, please give us examples if you have other deadbeat dads who like come in. <laughs> but you know, what's actually really funny to me is I think they do it more with moms. Like, think about it. On this show, we had Alan's mom come in, mm. and she wasn't around, and like they made it, they made her lovable, but you know, she just leaves. Yeah. I also thought about friends how Chandler's mom comes in and she's just like, again, everyone loves her. She's very charismatic, but you don't really get a lot of deadbeat dads who are also lovable, mm. which I think is very interesting. Like, I wonder why that is. Like, well, why we don't, especially I, considering the fact that a parent like Chet is actually way more common. Like, I've met yeah. many of Chet's. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, is that I do feel like, and this is, you know, oftentimes we comment, oh, the writing's kind of lazy, you know, for different aspects of the show. Um, but the fact is, is that to write a complex character like Chet, who you want to hate, but you can't because he's so lovable, not only is more reflective of, of real-life um, absentee fathers, but is also just way harder to pull off in terms of writing and performance. So it's just, it really takes, I I wonder if like, 
I wonder if like what was going on in the writer's room like who personally relates to a lovable fa a parent figure that's not around because like you said it's a trope that kind of continues in uh, a lot throughout the series absolutely and then also so with with Chet uh, I think that it's really interesting because all the pieces are there when Chet first shows up. Like, you know, first of all, we meet Chet again, hustling these college students, which is hilarious because of like, that's, that's the Chet that we know and love. He's always trying to pull something. And then even when Sean kind of like calls him out, you know, he's just like, oh, I came and I wanted to be around my boys. And Sean's like, you lost your job, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons why you would be here. But I will say, later in the episode, we find out that Jack's birthday is the next yeah. day. Or, like, it's, it's soon. And I was like, or did he, in fact, did Chet, in fact, think to himself, now that I have the time, you know, it's almost Jack's birthday. Two birds, yeah. one stone, see Jack. Like, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Th that's a very kind notion, Siege. <laughs> I don't think Chet knows when Jack's birthday is. But no, I he actually called it out. Jack, I... no, one, no one mentioned, no one mentions Jack's birthday. Jack doesn't mention Jack's birthday. His roommate Rachel don't doesn't say it? Oh, okay. No then maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm birthday. wrong. Okay. Chet is the only one who says, hey, your birthday is soon. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I was like, oh, and this is the thing about someone like Chet. Chet, someone like Chet absolutely remembers his kids' birthdays. Mm -hmm. Whether or not he shows up is the difference, but he knows when his kids' birthdays are, and he makes the conscious decision to not be there often. Again, I'm someone, not going to put a lot out there, but I'm just very familiar with dads like this. And they know, they are so intelligent, they're so smart. They know what these things are. They usually stay away because they don't feel like they have anything to bring to the table. Well, yeah, and that's what I wanted to comment on was because, you know, if we remember back to season three Chet, like season two Chet, the one who left Sean at the Matthews, the one who, um, you know, Turner was raising Sean for a period of time, you know, that Chet often said, I'm not a good father. Like, you're better off with Alan. You're better off with Jonathan. Like, I, he, his, his self-confidence is the thing that really killed his relationship with his kids. And, it, you know, it's so clear that, like, even in this episode, he's like, Alan, I need you to step up. And Alan's like, I will, but they're not, they don't need me, which is something Alan's constantly told Chet since season two so I feel like it's hard to give him credit for the birthday thing because it seems very much like a just happenstance situation um but I'm also like I do think that you're right in the fact that they still know when they are and I wonder if why or like part of the reason why they do stay away is because they feel like they haven't earned that relationship with them to be present on special days like that because I think that you're right in that the fact that they are still hyper aware of things and they feel that guilt. And I feel like that definitely comes into play with days like that. So true. So true. Um, you know, one thing I do want to say, even though Sean is kind of blaming Chet um, for everything, he is still happy to see him. And to your point, Siege, about like, do I know dads like this? Like, yeah, uh, I, I, I know dads like that from childhood but i also know dudes like that now who have kids that they're kind of hardly around for 
But, you know, it's that complex thing of like, they don't feel like they've earned their place in their kids' lives. As Caitlin so beautifully said, they don't feel as though they have much to offer to their kids for whatever reason. And even though there's a desire to do better, um, for whatever reason, life has beat them down so much that they don't believe they're able to achieve more because they never have before. So I, I do think that um, what's interesting is that even those like kind of fathers when they're around their kids their kids are still so happy to see them and that's what I saw with Sean was that regardless of how what beef he has this is the first time we've seen Sean smile in like a few episodes so like a genuine smile I will say it's love hate and all right so I'm I'm not gonna name names but I grew up with a friend's father who was exactly like this would come and go we didn't always know where he was uh but when he was in you were like oh my god he's so the life of the party hilarious fun loving type of individual and you know his children always were really happy to, to like be around him and see him but they also knew that it was a matter of time they also knew that like what when's the other shoe gonna drop so it's like it's not like just carefree. It's this kind of like joy, this weighted joy. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm having fun now, but something else is going to happen. Which again, you can see with Sean, like Sean is like, which is like, I'm going to be here. He's like, uh. you know, like that's like, that's what he says. And, you know, when you have someone like Jack who didn't grow up with Chet, so didn't get to, he wasn't constantly disappointed by chat in the way that sean is and i think it's really interesting that you get both of these dynamics you get the son who grew up with chat and therefore knows that yeah he's saying that but you have to take anything he says with the grain of salt and then someone like jack who didn't grow up with his father and now as he's older is getting to know him and he's yeah. like, yeah, but my dad said he'll be here and he becomes childlike again he's like maybe, maybe this time it'll be different and Sean, the jaded one, is like, no, dude, it's not. Like, Chet doesn't know how to stay in one place. Yeah, and to that point, you know, one of the things that's really interesting is that I thought they did more with Jack's character this episode than they have since he was introduced to the series. Not only does Matt Lawrence actually act in this episode for the first time, like, no disrespect, but he just hasn't been giving anything to do, Um you know, he is able to give a real authenticity to that naive, like, hey, I, I've never met this guy. I really want, I moved here to try to connect with him and Sean. And for whatever reason, me and Sean keep butting heads. We're brothers. That's fine. But like, you're my biological father. And, you know, Sean is able to see so much of himself in you. I don't even get the opportunity to know you enough to know if we're alike. Like, it's, it's so interesting how, um, Sean is kind of mad at Jack for hurting in his own separate way throughout the episode, not validating his experience, but kind of prioritizing Sean's experience over his when it's really just like different because like to have a deadbeat dad is one thing, but to never know your dad sucks too. So like there's just two things can be true at once. So you reminded me, T, when you had said something, I was thinking back to our episode where Jack is introduced. And remember, we had talked about this, like just like I said I think that Chet came here knowing that it was Jack's birthday. If you remember when Jack was introduced, I was like, there's no reason for Chet to be in town if he didn't know that Jack was also... Remember, like, he does that thing where he introduces Jack 
Tucson. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, why, why would this have worked out? It didn't make sense unless Jack already knew. Sorry, unless Chet already knew that Jack was in town. Like, that was the only thing that made sense. Because he ends up asking Jack to take in Sean. Like, that was, like, how we're introduced to all of this. And I just think that very often, Chet is tracking his children and really aware of what's going on with them. But he just kind of, like, pops in and out with, like, what he needs from them in that moment. I, I completely agree with Caitlin that this is all happenstance. I love that you're giving Chet <laughs> all of the credit in the world. I love that you believe that he genuinely knows when people's birthdays are and he kind of strategically plans to arrive at certain times. I think it's all a crapshoot. I think this dude just kind of is a, a feather in the wind floating along and wherever he ends up, he's going to make a party out of it. And I, I, I think the biggest issue that we're having in terms of watching the show is that we're not given a lot of information about the phone calls that are happening in season two and three, we'd see Sean talking on the phone with Chet, but we're not getting any of that anymore. So, uh, I mean, I think Corey mentioned once the season, like wherever the hell your dad is, like he's missing your dad's missing again, Sean, you might as well have Christmas with us. Like we're supposed to know the audience is supposed to have this knowledge based off of our memory from six seasons ago or whatever, versus them kind of continuing to remind us who Chet is in Sean's life. And I think that's why we're having a hard time kind of understanding where they're at in their relationship now. Cause he's, he's basically like Jonathan Turner just showed up again. And we're just supposed to remember that there was this whole story arc, even though he hasn't been around for two years. So. I'm going to like, you know me, I'm going to push back only because I like, I, none of us are parents here. Like as far as our, none of us are parents, but the thing is that's rude you... i have a seven-year-old golden retriever <laughs> you will respect my son but no no but here's the thing all right let's take that for example how long can you be away from the house before you start thinking about your dog four hours exactly <laughs> like here's the thing i could be having the greatest time and in the back of my head i'm like has like how long has it been since logan has been out and all I'm saying is, as a parent, these are these are just like our our fur babies. But like as a parent, most parents will tell you, once you've had a child, you think about that child. Even if you aren't there with that child, even if you are, as we talked about, a deadbeat dad, which is the term that we've been using, you still know about your children. And the thing to me is, Chet knows about his children. There are reasons why Chet flutters in and out at certain times. Yes, it's writing, but also it's because the type of person that Chet is, much to Caitlin's point, they just don't feel like they have earned a right to be there. And then when you get something like this where Chet needs a place to stay, he's like, oh, you know what I could do by stopping by at this right time? I could be there. It's like a, for them, they see it as a two birds at one stone type situation. It's like, oh, by being able to find a place to sleep, I can also be there for Jack's birthday. I can also check in on Sean. And I can also have a place to call me when Las Vegas job opens up. I don't Maybe. know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Caitlin, please. please. <laughs> Almost out of this. Also, well, I was also just about to say, like, like, do we think that if Chet didn't have that heart attack he would have actually been around for jack's birthday in the first place mm, so here's question. the thing jack's birthday is close so no, <laughs> like, <here's> the <laughs> no. Like, even if it's the next day 
he has already said that, oh, the Vegas job called. And then again, knowing that he would have said, you know what? I would have been here. I'm going to stay for Jack's birthday. They would all go to dinner and then they would find out that Chet left a letter or left a message saying, hey, I'm so sorry. I wanted to be there on time for this job. Dinner's on me. Actually, dinner's on Jack's stepdad. And then he would have been off. You I, know? I have a question. I don't remember. Did, did the call come from Chet's cell phone or did they call the apartment? They called the apartment, which is okay, why so I that's said. That's interesting. That's why I said. That is very interesting. A place. He needed a phone line that yeah. they could find him at. And it's strategic. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> it reminded me so much. Uh, Caitlin, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, but there's Not an there. episode. Not very. Okay. Well, there's an episode <laughs> where Will's dad, who we haven't seen throughout the series, shows up randomly. He's like, hey, Will, I want to connect with you. I want to like form a bond with you. And Will is like freaking out. He's like, finally, my dad's back. And then his dad at the end of the episode gets a trucking job. That's a lot of money. And even though he was preparing to go road tripping with Will for the summer, he was like, hey, I have to take this job. And it's this assumption that like, you may not see me for a while and I don't know when you're going to see me again. And, and Will has to kind of deal with that heartbreak that, hey, I thought my dad was going to be here, but a job called and now he's gone. And it's it's so reflective of like when Chet got that call, I was like, oh, he's he's gonna go. Like, I mean, this is they're they're reminding us that Chet hasn't changed, even though he's saying that he's changed so much so that they had to squeeze in him going, oh, okay, I wanna I wanna keep my options open. I don't want to say no yet. I know I said I would be there for you guys, but like I, I, I can't turn down money either. And so it's just it's just interesting the fact that like um regardless of of him saying all these things he pre-plans to say hey call this apartment if a job shows up yeah. yeah exactly also all right so i have a question so we we are doing all of this and there does seem to be a lot of this entire time we've been talking about chat which again that's because when chat comes in he takes over that that's how chat's personality is but there is a lot that we're getting with the dynamics between the three hunters. Um, we get Sean having like this tension between Jack for, and they do make it seem all about money. Yeah. Which it's like, it's clearly not just about money, but it, it's like the thing that Sean just is very quick. Like Jack's like, Hey, let me buy you coffee. And Sean's like, we don't need your charity. And you're like, Whoa. I was offering you coffee. And by the way, I didn't offer it to just you. I offered it to Corey as well. I'm a, like, this is, this is just the way that I show my love. Maybe we pull it back a little bit. But then um, when Chet says that he's going to stay, first of all, there's this little bit of foreshadowing where he goes, I'm going to stay just as sure as I'm going to win this next game. And then they show him losing the next game. So mm. I was like, oh, a little bit of foreshadowing there. Wow. But yeah. like also kind of fucked up. But then we get the uh, whole thing of him being like, hey, I promise I'm staying. I'm going to be around Jack buying into it. And then Sean has like this blow up where he's just like, "You're not, look, let's call a spade a spade. You're not going to stick around. You've never been able to stick around. Stop lying to everyone. What do you guys feel about that because I feel like it's a conversation that needed to be had, but it is kind of like 
Was this the time and place? Well, I was just thinking that I was surprised that Jack wasn't a bit more understanding of everything Sean was saying because he is the newer piece in this whole situation. And so to to be so like fighting him on the fact that like, no, he said he's going to stay. I don't know. I was just surprised to see Jack not kind of try to take Sean's word for it a bit more because mm. he had had all that experience over him with his dad. So I, I was really um surprised that when Sean calls Chet out that Chet reacts the way he does actually, where he's like, bro, what's your problem? Cause it's like, instead of him just taking accountability for the way he's abandoned Sean his entire life and Sean just like communicating his feelings and, you know, Chet had a great opportunity to validate what he was saying and be like, Hey, you're right. Like I have been in and out. You have every right to be suspicious about my intentions here. I know we have trust that we have to rebuild. There wasn't any of that. It was like, bro, what is your problem? And then later on, when Rachel's like, I think my cake gave you a heart attack. He's like, no, it was Sean's yelling that gave me a heart attack. And I'm like, bro, take accountability for something. Clearly you eating meat and spuds every Thursday for 60 years led you to have a heart attack. It wasn't your son yelling. They literally showed him go to a steak dinner and then Chet be like, man, I love steak. <laughs> it's just like, it's this thing of being like, oh no, years of eating red meat and, and living the lifestyle that you did is more likely the situation. But so it's funny. I want to address what Caitlin said. One is, as I had said earlier, Jack is, at least around Chet, he is a child who's never been around mm. his father. Mm. So it's that whole blind belief where it's just like anyone who's had children who, again, who, like their father is left or he's not going to be there. It's that you can't tell a child that, oh, wait, your father is just not going to be able to live up to this because they want to believe and that's yeah. who Jack is. Yeah. Like anyone could have been like, Chet could have been like, I'm not coming back. And <laughs> Jack would have been like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. that hope. It's that that you want your father to be there. And then to TC's point, you were like, why didn't Chet take accountability? If Chet was the type of person who <laughs> took accountability, we wouldn't be in this situation. Sure. So again, as someone who's like really aware of these types of fathers, him his reaction to sean completely makes sense because it's like hey i'm the good time guy don't bum everyone out like you're you're infringing on my ability to make everyone feel comfortable with the fact that i breathe in i breathe out that's what i do and you bringing the reality and the the inevitable into this is only going to taint the time that we do have together I mean, I think I think all your points are correct. And I think a lot of this has to do with like 20th century dads. Yeah. Like we're talking about a generation of men who were told that feelings made them gay, that therapy was for crazy people, that, you know, they needed to man up to 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 get through everything. And with that comes no emotion, uh, no room for emotional intelligence to grow. So, you know, I, I think that all the points you're making are accurate. And I think that the reason why this trope of absentee father is so kind of common is because of all these larger systematic issues where men weren't getting the resources they need to process their mental trauma in a way that was healthy. Um, I know this is a much bigger conversation than Boy Meets World, but I think that Chet kind of is very reflective of that kind of like, no, I can't take accountability. I can't admit what I was wrong. That would 
show weakness and a man isn't weak. Like that kind of mindset that kind of keeps him from taking ownership. But not only that, it's also about like, as you, to your point, what is a man supposed to do at this point in time? He's supposed to provide. And Chet is constantly leaving and chasing jobs. He's trying, constantly trying to be able to provide. And when he's not able to provide is when he's not there. When he, when he was there, janitor dad, it was when he had a job. Yeah. When like he usually left, it was to find Berna. It was to find the other person who was supposed to be the caretaker. You know, it's like he's always on the road trying to get uh, some kind of opportunity, and that's what Chet is. He's this guy who's like, oh, if I can't provide, I'm not worthy of being a father. I'm not worthy of sticking around. Yeah, no, I feel like it's hard. I don't have much experience with this in the real life. I guess I'm lucky that my dad was around. Um, But I feel like it's nice to see um, that perspective on Chet because I never really thought about him and the reasons why he was leaving all the time. I was just like, oh yeah, he's always gone. Um, and but I'm also like when he was off and being a provider was any of that money actually coming back to Sean because I feel like mm. in the later seasons it definitely wasn't as far as I am aware. No, and here's like it's I th- I, I want everyone to understand. I am a I will uh, I will admit I am a chat apologist. That's just the fact. <laughs> but also it's because I understand the psychology behind these kind of motives. It's one of those things where it's like I left to make money. To provide for my child but the amount of money that i'm making isn't enough to provide for my child so i'm not going to send any money <laughs> to my child and you're like no like if that's the case then you could have just been here like i think one of the things that alan says which is really important is like what they want more than anything is you chat like that's what they want but that's hard for someone like them to understand they're like no that can't be enough. What they really need is for me to take care of them. And even when I try to take care of them, that's not enough. So that's why I stay away. You, you Again, brought up, it's, it's, it's oh. faulty understanding, but it is their mentality. Go ahead, T. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, the thing that I think that you brought up that's really worth noting is this pressure that society puts on men, especially in the 20th century. Yeah. Um, where... To, to be a provider was your sole responsibility. If you can't provide, then you are not fulfilling your role as a husband or a father or a man in general. If you can't, you know, um, financially support these people, then your worth, like your worth is tied to your employment. Like, and like, in the same sense that women have the pressure of like, my worth is tied to my looks. Men had that same pressure and probably still have that same pressure. I sometimes feel that pressure of like, hey, like your job, your your worth is tied to how well you can provide. And if you're not providing, then what is your worth? And so now that we've kind of entered a new phase where we kind of understand in society, like, hey, it's probably more important to provide kids emotional support. You know, back in, in the time where Chet was growing up, that was never a conversation that entered his 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 you know, bubble that he was in. So, you know, I I think this really is speaking to the larger issue of like, is it the pressure was so demanding on men to provide that they would rather go across the country for a job that would give them money versus making less money and being present in their life. That's how much the pressure was on men's worth to like being tied to their ability to provide. So I just think that was a really uh, interesting uh, mindset and does paint Chet, you know, the picture of him kind of 
it paints it out a little bit more fully. All right, so I need those who have looked ahead to fill me in on something. Chet, when he does have his heart attack in this, in the hospital, no, actually, no, before this, when he um, meets Rachel, he says, did they tell you that my wife has died and I'm back on the hunt? And I was like, wait, what? Did Verna die? Bruh, I, like, honestly... We're going to find out all of the answers to those questions. And I promise you, they're so much more disappointing than you could ever imagine, <laughs> bruh. Like, when you find out this truth about Verna, which I think comes in next season, it's like, wait, what? Like, why would you do that, Boy Meets World? Oh, I can't. I don't want to, like... All I know is, again, but... he said, did they tell you my wife died and I'm back on the market? And I was like, what? Like... If if Bernard did die, this is a terrible time to let me know. He does make a joke about like, no, my wife's alive. You know, I'm just whatever. But no, yeah, to answer your question, Verna, Verna is alive. Okay. Okay. That's very- I didn't very say telling. Sean's mother was alive. I said I, I, Verna was alive. <laughs> I didn't mention anything about Sean's mother. I said Chet's wife. So now you're spoiling something. I'm so but sorry. I'm really, so sorry. <laughs> but, no, no, no. but also, all right, to that fact, very similarly, going back to like this whole dynamic and this whole like cake scene, as we'll call it, when Eric shows up, Eric goes, oh, Chet, when, you when are you him. leaving? <laughs> <laughs> and again, I think what's really funny with like the other characters, just this episode, is you get to see everyone's history with Chet. Uh, which again is like not a good sign. The moment Chet gets a heart attack in the episode, you're like, "Oh, that's not good." But the moment you start getting everyone, like when they when they brought Feeny and Alan and Amy to the hospital, I was like, "Oh, this isn't good." Yeah. Then Morgan showed up. I was like, "Oh, this is definitely not good." They <laughs> like, brought Morgan back from the dead to <laughs> <laughs> to support Sean during this time. But I also just thought it was really interesting again because you get everyone's history was checked really quickly in this episode well to your point of the fact that like we get to see how sean and um jack react differently we also get to see how eric and rachel react differently rachel's just like oh i've heard so much about you you seem like such a nice old man and eric's just like so you're getting out of here soon right bro like it's just they the, the history knowing this dude and also i have to say you know, I, I recently re-listened to our Cherry Bomb episode because someone had wrote like a really nice comment about it. And I was like, what the fuck did we even say? Um, <laughs> but, and it's that thing of like, once you paint someone a criminal, the idea that they can not be a criminal anymore, they can overcome that mindset is like almost impossible. And in the same way, it feels like with Chet, this perception that you're a deadbeat dad, you're not going to stick around. Like if someone kept, like if you're trying your hardest to do something you've always sucked at, and every single time people are reminding you that, hey, you actually suck at this, right? Like don't you're gonna you're not going to be successful at this thing. It's like what encouragement are you giving this person to try to break out of their shell? And I understand that Sean has trauma and he has reasons for feeling all this. It's all very valid, but from from Chet's perspective, like he's not really given the opportunity to even try to do better fully because Sean is so resistant to it. Oh, that's because he's already proven to Sean. And again, it's like, I'm not, I at no point in time am I blaming Sean for this because Sean is a teenager. Sean is a child. He is trying to both understand 
himself and why he is this way and what he sees very clearly is that he can't make connections because his original connections never stayed sean doesn't know how to let things grow because his his original relationships i.e his mother and his father they never stuck around so he literally doesn't know how to keep others around or how to allow himself to let others be around it is it is really hard if you've ever moved around a lot as a child and then you meet a partner who like wants to move in and all this other stuff it's kind of hard to have someone around all the time when you are used to being alone all the time it's just a different psychology and you're like why is this person always here what are they doing and everyone else is like that's normal that's what normal people would do but you've never had normal so your mind is literally freaked out by it there are plenty of people who like will date other chaotic people because they're like that's what i'm used to i'm used to like someone playing games and, and being a little bit crazy and sneaky and when they meet someone who's legit into them and comforting and loving and healthy they're like i don't know what what's going on with this this is freaking me out And that's kind of like what Sean's dealing with. He really is understanding, oh, wait, part of the reason why I am who I am is because of the root of how me and Chet, uh, what our dynamic is. Um, Caitlin, one of the things uh, I really want to ask you about is because we randomly cut to a scene of Corey and Topanga. Um, (laughs) And Corey and Topanga are planning their wedding. Now, I know we mentioned this earlier, but uh, Caitlin did this video where she kind of chronicalized the entire relationship of Corey and Topanga. And, you know, in this episode, we see the virginity thing start to pop up. I just wanted to get your thoughts on what their whole, like, they seem kind of shoehorned into this episode, <laughs> but I wanted to see what you thought about that. No, it's funny you asked me about that, because I feel like that was one of the only things I took note of was like, we randomly got this one scene to like remind us that Corey is very deprived of a sex life. And then we're going to go right back into the chat stuff. It just seems so out of place. And it's a common thing that bugged me in the later seasons was that whole narrative of Corey being deprived and not respecting Topanga. And I think it's also a thing of like, the times, I guess, and like how they wanted to make sure Topanga was pure. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so it's such a roll. good point. It, it is it, when that scene happened. I was like, "Why this? Why now?" Like, you're planning a wedding. There's so many things that they could have been talking about. There's so many other like disagreements or fun stuff that they could have said that still would have been in Corey and Topanga's wheelhouse. But the fact that again, there's so much emphasis put on the wedding night and Corey, as you said, being deprived, as if he is being tortured in some way, shape, or form that we should all feel sympathy towards because this poor boy is what 1920 and still hasn't had sex yet he says something like um Topanga's like Corey why are you so obsessed with sex and he goes because I don't get any and then there's like an audience applause break randomly like the audience is like yeah like give this guy some sex give Topanga. the boy some sex what He's do you expect it. <laughs> he, like it's just it's wild that there was like a tiny applause break there and i was just like oh so people are just on board for supporting that she owes him sex okay and and i also kind of feel it was probably a studio note they probably saw the episode and they were like hey this is really dark can we add something else to balance it because like it really has no point in in this episode specifically absolutely i feel like for me it was more of like 
a a little bit of a reminder that Corey and Topanga are getting engaged, like getting that thread in there. But then also a instead of them just showing up at the hospital, like giving Corey, Topanga, and Angela like a little scene of like, where were you when you heard the news? You type mm. situation. You know, especially since they weren't at the apartment having some of Rachel's cake. <laughs> the death cake, you know? yeah. Exactly. So um Hey, you know, one thing I'm just sorry, while we're back at the hospital, I just want to point this out um, because, you know, you mentioned how Sean was getting really aggressive with Jack because, hey, like you're paying for everything. It's making me uncomfortable. We don't need your charity. This we don't need your charity mindset is something that is part of Sean's character from season one. And I, you know, re-listening to Pod Meets World when they did their Christmas episode, I was like, oh, that first Santa Little Helper episode where Corey tries to give Sean the basketball and he's like, hey, I don't want your charity. This is something that he's so conscious of, he's so sensitive of. It, um, it's almost like a trigger for him in his mind to feel like someone is giving him charity. And, I, you know, obviously, like, Sean has his own traumas or whatever, but I think him growing up in a trailer home, him growing up in a family that didn't have um, resources or was financially stable really pop, like affected him to such a degree. And we only get little like glimpses of it, but in this episode, it came out a lot. And to your point, like, you know, we were introduced to Jack last season and for the first half of season five, they're trying to get along. They keep butting heads and Sean is constantly feeling inadequate around Jack because of his family's wealth. And this just pops up again in this episode. And you almost have to remember like, oh yeah, that, that was a storyline that they did for a little bit in season five. But you, you know, when he says like, Hey, I paid for the, the hospital room. Don't worry about it. Sean's like, no, no, I want to pay. How much is it? It's $2,000. Okay. A night. And Sean's like, no, like why? Like here's $20 or whatever. Like he's just like, he's trying to give what he can, but he feels so inadequate. And it, it's similar. It, the reason why I'm pointing all this out is because we had this long conversation about the reason why Chet wasn't around was because he didn't feel like he could financially provide and the insecurities that that gave him. And it seems as though that's mirroring itself within Sean's character, him feeling like, oh, I'm not able to provide for my father during this time. I'm not able to cover the check at dinner. And that beating him up is so similar to the ways we've seen it beat Chet up. Well, why would it be? Uh, sorry. I mean, obviously it would because yeah. where does Sean get that mindset from? Like what what most likely happened is that Chet kept saying, We don't need your charity. We don't need their charity. Like, like so the idea of someone helping you and giving charity to you hurts um it it challenges the ego of mm. someone like Chet, which is why he refuses to take anyone's charity, but he will completely ask someone to take care of his child you know it's like no no no. I, i'll provide for him i just need you to do this it's not charity i'm giving you something i'm helping out a little bit i've given 20 dollars on a two thousand dollar a day room like that's not charity that's me pulling my weight and giving everything that i could and it's like it, it is you giving everything that you could, but you also need to understand that there's nothing wrong with someone helping you. And as you said, what this really is, it's, it's a challenge to, to that male 
ego of I am the provider. I take care of my own. I take care of myself. And in certain times in life, that's just not possible. There is someone who has more than you, has more resources than you, has better connections than you. And the idea that Jack is able to immediately get um, Chet his own room, probably some of the best doctors, he's footing the bill. Like, it's one of those things where Sean is like, hey, we don't need you to hand out. And it's like, oh, you don't know how big this medical bill can get. Yeah. Chances are, Chet got fired. We know he doesn't have insurance. Chet doesn't have insurance at this point in time. He is racking up a huge bill. He's had two heart attacks that they operated on. Do Caitlin, you want I... that debt as well? Like, <laughs> Caitlin, I'm sorry. Are you based in the U.S.? No, I'm I'm from Canada, and so that whole concept oh, God, too please. was a whole yeah, other please. thing for me. I was like, "Oh, what is going?" On? I was like, "Um, I got to like kind of take myself out of uh what I know as being like the norm here, and be like, oh, yes, we're in the United States. <laughs> things are very, very different when it comes to the hospital and the things that are cost money.' And yeah, it was very uh, interesting episode for me in that regard as well." Yeah, I honestly, um, whenever I'm reminded about the American healthcare system, it is a very sad, <laughs> painful thing that I'm reminded of. Um, but yeah, like to think that like with if Jack wasn't there to provide for that, Chet with that, like what would have happened? What would have ended up happening to Sean to have to accumulate that debt that he would then be responsible for? So like Jack's presence and his father, like Jack's father-in-law, like stepfather, whatever that is, he honestly has been such an enormous support system for Sean in a way that Sean can't even appreciate. Because, I mean, we'll find out in future episodes that his dad's helped him out a lot more than Sean's even realized. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, there is this aggression about Jack, you know, kind of stepping up. But if he wasn't there, then where would Sean be? So, you know, I, I, I don't think Sean ever has that realization where he kind of comes around and thanks Jack, but it, it would have been nice to have a moment even after Chet's passing for them to just have like a, you know, thanks for something. I, I, I don't know. No, because here's the thing. As he goes, you're talking about paperwork right now. And Jack goes, if I didn't fill out this paperwork, they wouldn't have treated him. Yeah. Like, and that's the, again, Caitlin, it's so funny. Like, you're like a fish <laughs> out of water this entire episode because it's like all of these things are, you're like, what? This isn't mm -hmm. my wheelhouse, but like for- They won't just help people who need help? help <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like if they don't, in the American uh, medical system, if you don't fill out that paperwork, if you don't have insurance, if you don't you know, like jump through all of these hoops, they may not even see you until they have the time and they figure like you're, you know, you're not prioritized. Is If is you have insurance, they'll see you. They might yeah. just send you home with a Band-Aid, which is also exactly. exactly. So the idea that Sean is caught up at what Jack is doing to get things done, I think it also goes back to kind of a lack of education on it's not just the emotional part there are things that need to be done there yeah. is work that needs to be done in order to kind of keep these things moving and it's like you don't have to like that money runs the world but you do have to understand that money runs the world and it's just kind of specifically at these points in times you can be resentful and upset that someone has the finances to help your father but you also should be, at some point in time, should say thank you.
because this could have been a whole other storyline had Jack not been there. Sure. Caitlin, I wanted to ask you this because, you know, we've been talking about the pressures that men feel to provide. And I guess I wonder, um, from your perspective, have you ever felt like like you're you're. I don't know, kind of a down on yourself for not able being able to provide for someone or something, or even for yourself, or like that financial pressure to provide. Is that something that you've experienced at all? Or is that, do you feel that's maybe just more of a male experience? I think for me, I mean, this could be because I'm self-employed with the YouTube thing, but I mm-hmm. definitely, uh, for me, it's more so like, I need to make sure that my content does well or else I will have to go and get like a boring desk job sort of thing. (laughs) Like I can't keep like living this dream of like just talking about whatever shows and movies I want every week. Um, And so I'm not too sure if that's like, I guess that is kind of the same thing, providing for myself, doing what makes me happy versus um, what I feel like will be the opposite. So yeah, for sure. I think it goes both ways. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, that's interesting because you point out like, hey, like, um, you know, I need to produce content. Like it's almost it, as creators, we, I can kind of identify with this because it feels like, um, you know, at, we need to produce content to get our value as creators mm-hmm. in the same way that like Chet feels like I need to financially provide as, as, you know, internet creators, you know, if we're not making something out of nothing, we don't get anything from it. So it's interesting to kind of see how the millennium has changed that dynamic and kind of, you know, almost like made it something that we can all participate in this pressure of, you know, needing to kind of create something out of nothing in order to um, get food in our plate. So yeah, that's, that's Mm -hmm. an interesting perspective. So Kayla, you had said earlier that you watched this episode, you said with your boyfriend? Yeah, Is that correct? What was like, what was the conversation like or like what was like the response to just the entire episode having watched it like together he's kind of familiar with the show because his dad's a big fan and so he kind of like comes in and out and so he kind of knows what's going on but this was a bit of a like oh this is because <laughs> I'm like yeah there usually you can just come in you don't really need to know much backstory and then I was like okay so like Jack <laughs> doesn't know his dad Sean does um, and so it was an interesting uh, episode, I feel like, for him just to jump right in. But he definitely was, like, uh, more so just sympathetic for me because he's like, oh, I thought that this was going to be a fun episode for you. Yeah. And it was a bit more heavy. Um, but, yeah, I think it was I think it was a good one. We've been wanting to watch the show. And so I feel like this one will make him uh, give him a better perspective on, like, the layers that the show entails. That's such a good point. Like, this is, like, Boy Meets World can be so, like, light and fun. Like, we just did a karaoke episode like right before this. And now you get something like this is like one of the heaviest episodes where we're like dealing with a lot. Do you have a preference for the lighter episodes versus the heavier mm-hmm. episodes? Yeah, I feel like I like the mix. I like how sometimes it's like a completely like just lighthearted fun time. And other times it's like this is serious. Now we're yelling because you didn't plan anything after your honeymoon that sort of thing yeah. um my personal fa- like i always say that my favorite part of boy meets world starts at season four up until the end because i personally like when they are older because i feel like we were able to talk about more heavier things than when they were younger um but yeah i think i like a good mix of both and i think that's part of the reason why the show kind of resonates so strongly is because by having the mix it um it, i don't know it kind of invites you into the characters a little bit more i only say that because like 
this could have been Dawson's Creek. This could have just been like a very mature, we're just going to handle this, or it could be Full House or, you know, one of these other more lighter sitcoms that like they have touchy moments, but it's like, oh, DJ got bullied at lunch. It wasn't anything that was like super intense. And, you know, this kind of mirroring of lighthearted and heavy handed subject matters is something that Boy Meets World, I think, is very unique in their approach to, and they do really well sometimes and i i thought i just wanted to see how you felt because this is such mm -hmm. a dark episode compared to some of the other ones that the show is better known for it, it almost feels like as if they've layered so many heavy topics in this one it's like you know we're dealing with um father-son relationships we're dealing with financial issues we're dealing with um sean trying to find the origins of his um inability to connect with other people we're dealing with you know so many things that it's like it wasn't just like a oh this is a heavy episode this is like this is a really heavy deep episode yeah that um you know i think again maybe with the Corey and tabanga little side um scene they were like let's just do this to like lighten it up a little bit mm -hmm. um so yeah um, okay, so Sean's dad dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay, so Siege, I know you're kind of watching this in sequence. You, I'm sure you knew this was coming, right? Did you? Did yeah, you, like again, you, the you, moment, I, the, like, I, I don't remember anything else <laughs> about Chet. I remember that he dies. I remember okay. the hospital. Like, these are kind of like touchstones of the series. If you've watched it at all, you know that, you know Chet's fate. Yeah. And it's really sad when we get here. Um, but I didn't, what I didn't know was like all the stuff around it. I didn't mm -hmm. know the, this is the time that Sean is trying to think about himself and understand why his lack of connection goes anywhere. Um, and then also to, to see what's kind of heartbreaking is to see Chet and Sean be like, you know what, this time we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. we're, we're actually going to make it work. Um, I can see like what happens. There's a point in time where Jack is not Jack. Uh, Sean is yelling at Jack about the way that his father has been and like what he really needs. And Chet says, you've been saying this your entire life. And I've just now heard it. And to know that that happens like on the same day that he dies is a tragedy. And it does make you wonder where can Sean go from here? Not a good place. <laughs> I mean, why would he? His father just died while he was pushing other people away. Like, literally, the idea of him being like, you know what? I'm going to go back to my original trigger and re um, rebuild my original relationship with my father. That way I can learn how to connect with other people. Because if I can't repair this, I don't know if I can repair anything else. It's and so then, Oh, have that taken away from him yeah it's so interesting because it does feel like in season six the writers made a conscious decision to explore sean's trauma like i it just feels like there's no other way because in the episodes leading up to this one even sean's like there's something wrong with me i need to examine my life i need to take a step back i need to like get some distance from Corey and topanga and just see what's like why my life is the way it is as if they were building up to this moment because from this point out it does feel like almost every storyline with Sean is him trying to heal his trauma. 
And I'm like, dude, did they bring like a psych, <laughs> like a psych on board? Like, did they have a therapist on set? Like, what happened? They were like, hey, this we're gonna really hard pedal this and make this a major story arc for Sean going forward is him dealing with the trauma of his childhood. And it's the reason why I think it's really interesting is because it almost feels like they could have done two things. They could have had Sean gotten to college and he's going to make a better life than he ever had before for himself. And he's going to like do all this, but they kind of skirt it the other way to a real, I think more realistic storyline of it's like, no, I'm supposed to be an adult now. And I don't even feel like I can handle this because of all the shit that happened to me the last 19 years. So whether it was conscious or not, they did a really good job because we're able to, the three of us, be like, oh yeah, from this episode, this makes sense. And this episode, this makes sense. And it all kind of builds together perfectly to this moment. And even though it's such a depressing thing, because Sean is like, during the first seasons, he has so much joy. Like he is such like this charismatic, funny guy. And you want him to find happiness and love and joy and all of these things. And you are so equally heartbroken as an audience member when he is denied this every single time. And you see it taking a toll on him um it, you know for him to get to that point where Corey's like dude your dad's right in there he's not going anywhere this is your time and him going in there actually reconciling with his father for the first time only for it to end with his death how could anyone not be heartbroken by this kid's story yeah it's absolutely. crazy mm -hmm. um hey one thing i just want to talk about because i know we're kind of uh getting towards the end of the episode um I really want to talk about what happens with Jack and Rachel after Chet's death. Because to me, that is the most interesting thing about the episode. And I don't want to fast forward too much if you guys have more to say about Chet's death. But I was going to say, do not spoil too much. Because remember, I have I, I was thinking this entire episode, I was like, we have spoken a lot about like what Sean ends up doing here on out. But I was like, this episode makes it very clear that Jack is also Chet's son. And what is it like for Jack? Where does Jack go from here? When it's like the guy who I never really got to know and who said that I would get to know him. Like he is here. Also something that like, I'm sure we're just going to skip over. Jack's birthday is tomorrow. So yeah. like, his dad died the day before his birthday. He'll never forget. Like you're not going to forget that. What kind of wounds does that leave? What kind of person does Jack become? I'm really excited to see if we even care enough to explore. Well, that's kind of the reason why I want to talk about this cuz to me it and I don't I want to get Caitlin's thoughts on this too. <laughs> I this is my favorite Jack Hunter episode until the last 3 seconds. And that's because for the first time we see Jack Hunter having like a real emotional storyline there's this kid who's like i don't know i'm never going to get the chance to know my father i'm never going to get the chance to know this man i came here to meet him he gave me all these expectations i was so excited and he's crying in rachel's arms and instead of just focusing on the fact that he prioritized sean's grief over his and it's finally catching up to him and you know this should be a point where he should get the chance to express himself freely. It randomly pivots into forced romance again, Boy Meets World. Where <laughs> is this? When did this happen? Has this happened yet? Oh, just you wait. <laughs> it's not oh, wait. there yet. Oh, this oh, happened. No. The only thing that happened right now, and by the way, all of our listeners are going to see me react to this. I didn't know that. 
in this episode, in this particular episode, we literally get the news. We get to see um, Topanga hold up Jack's gift, yeah. which was a photo of Jack, Sean, and Chet. The only photo that probably exists of the three of them. And... Uh, you know, you're right. And it just I, ends. I did watch and two so episodes back to back. So I'm like, what? What's going on? I'm so sorry. I went ahead accidentally because I did watch these two episodes back to back because I was so curious. But yeah, so <laughs> the thing I'm I'm trying to focus on, and I'll save these thoughts for next episode then. But the fact is, is just that all of this buildup happened with Jack, and I really thought they fleshed out his story so well. But what the show actually does with it is to turn it into an excuse for him and Rachel to get together versus focusing on just his grief. And I, I can't wait. I'll, I'll let you chime in too. I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. I feel like I, I completely forgot that this episode was a cliffhanger because I remember one thing I really liked about it was that we got that perspective from Jack where it was like, obviously Sean's going through this great loss, but there's also that other piece of like this guy who never got to know his father and how he's going to be dealing with that. And it's still a loss for him, but in a completely different way than it was for Sean. Um, and for the whole uh, Rachel and Jack situation, I was kind of disappointed because I, I just, um, I was going to say, I love a good love triangle, but I like them when they're done well. And I don't feel like the Eric, uh, Rachel and Jack situation was handled well at all, but I guess that's just kind of like a thing with Boy Meets World. They don't know how to handle love triangles. Um, but that could just be my own personal gripes with Girl Meets World as well. But <laughs> yeah, that was something that like I was so disappointed by because I do enjoy Jack and Rachel as a dynamic and I just don't feel like that was the right time for them. And then they're not handled well afterwards and then they never wrap it up well either. And it's just so frustrating overall. Caitlin, I have a question for you because <laughs> you said that the Rachel and Eric and Jack triangle doesn't really work for you. And I, I don't know how much you know about how I feel about this, but I feel that that is because Rachel is the one who is shoehorned into this. Mm -hmm. The real love try, the real love. Yeah, I think I like. I, <laughs> I think I like where you're going with Eric and Jack. Eric mm -hmm. and Jack are the ones with chemistry. Eric and Jack are the ones whose storylines mirror ones of couples, and even even in Girl Meets World the the re the connection the reprise is of eric and jack like that is one where it's like god why can't i quit you if we want to be like if we really want to go there and i feel like it doesn't make sense or as you said it's like it's not done well because it's not supposed to be there rachel is shoehorned in to their love story if i'm if I'm going to tell my truth, what do you feel about that? Like, like, give me your. No, I could not agree more. I am such a big Jack and Eric shipper. I feel like the definitely the creators were like, oh, we need to put a woman into this situation so that people don't get the wrong idea that something mm -hmm. romantic could potentially be going on, especially when we already have the wonderful other ship of Sean and Corey together as well. And yeah, I could not agree more. Oh my God, please do a video of that because like, <laughs> like, I've been saying this. Anyone who's been listening, I'm like, it's it's all there. Sometimes a story tells itself, even if you didn't mean as the writer, mean for it to go. It's like, no, it just naturally progressed. And this makes the most sense for these characters. But like, there's this idea of like the creators being like, that's not what we wanted. So we're going to force it the other way. And you're like, but that's not 
That's not actually the story that you told. I get that that's not the story that you want to tell, but that's the story that you told. So you should take it from where it is and allow it to be. And I do feel like, of course, it would have been way too ahead of its time to actually go there. But there's just such lost potential of like, what does Jack's life look like if him and Eric are just able to deal with the fact that Jack's father just died. Let's take Rachel out of it. Let's just make yeah. Rachel a supportive friend. What happens to Jack's relationship with Eric, this person who he's the closest with right now, now that his father has died? And and I really, I'm trying to stop ourselves from going too far ahead. <laughs> but as we'll see, the concept of building Rachel and Jack's relationship based off of the grief of his dead father is a terrible way to start any relationship, especially when Rachel has expressed no romantic interest in this dude until after his dad died. It just, like, again, I don't want to go too far ahead, but just as we start to, like, dissect what Jack's going through, I just want this to be something we keep in mind going forward, that, like, he is clearly dealing with so much, he has so much on his heart, and he prioritized Sean's grief over his this entire episode. And even when he starts to feel it in the coming episodes it's immediately replaced by a love story it's immediately swiped away and it's so disappointing because like i said this is maybe my favorite jack hunter episode and i was really disappointed that we don't get to see them develop him with the same care that they seem to be developing sean so then i think that that leads us to our uh do you have a bruh moment of this episode caitlin what was the, <laughs> your bruh moment for this episode well, I wrote down to one we already talked about, which was the Corey being deprived of his sex life. Mm -hmm. um, then the second was just Chet's constant flirting with Rachel. But I feel like that's something that she had to deal with throughout the entirety of the show because she was constantly just seen as like a sex symbol. Ah, like if you want to open that can of words, I completely <laughs> agree with you there. It really is sad that most of Rachel's storylines center around her being an object of desire. I mm -hmm. cannot wait till the pod has Mate Laward on. I cannot, I would I would love to have Mate Laward on. I would love to ask her, yo, what was it like to just literally show up in every episode you are just forced to be a sexual object? In the Christmas episode, a kid squeezes her ass for no reason. Like there are so many times where she is just completely thrown in as an object of sex. And um, yeah, I that's I, I feel the same way. She also has a book where she talks about this a yeah. lot. So we can't just read that book. Uh, reminder to everyone. Shout out to Maitland Ward. Um, team, Do you have a... You have oh, oh yeah, my bro moment. Um, you know what? I, I Just not to repeat what Caitlin said, because I do agree with both of those. Um, I guess I just wanted there to be... Um, while there's that reconciliation between Sean and Chet um, at the end, it would have been really nice to have Jack more included within that reconciliation to have Sean and, and Jack kind of together. This isn't really a bra moment, but honestly the bra moments I felt like Caitlin called out were the perfect <laughs> ones. And those were the ones I thought of as well. Um, so yeah, just to kind of that, that beef between Jack and, and Sean, I wish that kind of connected it and kind of reconciled it. The only one I'm going to kind of, um, kind of, it's kind of like an addendum to the earlier one we talked about, is when Topanga says, isn't my patient little Corey, like she said something about like, oh, my cute little patient boy. And it's something like it it it's it felt very unnecessary. It felt and like she got personal 
gratification in her ability to make him squirm, which exactly. isn't reflective of Topanga's character that's been exactly. developed at all. That's, that was the one where I was like, really? This is what we're doing? It's very clearly 90s written by a bunch of guys who are just like, women be holding out, ha ha ha. They do it to control men, and you're like, really? Or maybe they don't want to sleep with someone who sees sex as like this ultimate prize. I don't know. It you know, what's interesting. Weird. I was listening to Podney's World again. We're going to reference this a bunch. Sorry. <laughs> um, where they talked about how over seasons one and season two, they completely stripped Topanga's character of all of her hippie qualities. Yep. And Will and Danielle were kind of talking about how like they gave you a season to develop this character in this way only for them to drop it. And Danielle was almost kind of personally responsible for developing the Topanga character from that point out and finding out like who is the core of this character and it's just interesting that like we all know this thing we all know this that she was one person at the start of the series and she seems so worlds apart from that person now and people grow people change people evolve but it's kind of unsatisfying when we're not given reasons for why her character is changing and evolving so drastically from her starting point Absolutely. We do have the uh, the Valentine's Day episode, though, where they do talk about that a little bit. I don't think we've you've gotten there yet. We haven't. What oh, no. It's coming up. It's coming up. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's coming up. Yeah. And I also have to say, was not satisfied with their reasonings in that episode. Yeah, no, I feel like, yeah, they didn't. Mm, they were just like, oh, hey, remember when Topanga was kind of like a hippie child? Let's talk about that. <laughs> but yeah. they didn't actually give us any sort of explanation as to anything. No. Lots to look forward to, listeners, because we're getting all these kind of like clips. I'm loving it. Um, Caitlin, do you have a Feeny lesson? What would you think? Is oh, I did write something down. I think I said, um, oh, like the concept of like making the most with the time that you have with people when they are there. I feel like that was maybe it. No, I completely agree. Um, yeah, my Feeny lesson is, um, really just the fact that, like, you never know how long you got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think both of you pretty much get, I think that's, there really is no other lesson of this episode (laughs) to take away from than to just, like, appreciate people while they're here, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and, and repair relationships while you can. All the other stuff. What grade are you guys giving this episode? Uh, I gave it a B, but like to be fair, I was like <laughs> I haven't been ranking a- a- or giving grades to any of these episodes, so I'm like solid B. No, that's good. Like, <laughs> and, and go with your gut. Listen to, yeah. listen okay, to your okay. heart. Yeah, I'm confident. Um, you know what? We've gotten so much. Um, how can I eloquently say this? Bullshit. season six that for me that this is actually a very substantial episode i don't feel like with the exception of the Corey topanga shoe and which again i think was a studio note i don't feel like they wasted a lot of time i feel like there's really not a b storyline it's all kind of focused on on chet and his boys and you know in terms of a send-off for this character that we all have a deep love and appreciation for you know, I can't imagine Chet going in any other way than he did in this episode. So I, I'm going to give it like an A minus because as much as I love it, I do feel like Corey Topanga shit just wasn't necessary at all. And there could have been more emotional development with Jack's storyline. So yeah, I'm going to give it a B plus for like pretty much the same reasons. Like for me, this was like a a good episode that could have been better. We bring so much in and I kind of feel like it would have been worked 
better as like a two-parter like i feel like we could have spread some things out we could have given jack a little bit more to deal with um and even like uh chet's ending it feels almost just abrupt you know so i really would have liked a little bit more time fleshing this out a little bit more and like giving both sons equal weight with their time with like this journey with their father so uh but all that said as we all know i don't think i can rate a chat episode lower than a b like i just don't think i can do it so uh b plus is, is where i'm at well see you'll be happy to know that the events of this episode definitely are covered over the next few episodes um are they covered well? We'll find out. <laughs> I remember them shoehorning a girl group into an episode for no reason. There's a lot of wow. random shit that happens. So I'm excited for us to, to get into it. All right. Uh, okay. Then, Kaylin, homework. We're at our homework part. Uh, please let our listeners know what should, what do you want them to be checking out? Well, I mean, we've been talking a lot about my Corey and Topanga video. So if that yeah. does sound interesting Absolutely. to anybody. I feel like I don't want to toot my own horn, but I would highly recommend checking that one out. Absolutely toot your horn. That was a lot of work. Yeah, it was so much work. And can you please just give our listeners like a summary of what that episode is even about, the video that you made? Because I, I thought it was so brilliantly done. Yeah, for sure. I have a series on my channel where I'm really into ships. That's just like a very big passion of mine. And so I was like, I'm just going to break down some of my favorite ships and just go from start to finish and see if like they are as wholesome and great as I remember. And so obviously Corrine Topanga is a difficult one because as anyone knows, they went through a lot of conflict throughout the course of their storyline. And so the video is about an hour long, but it's basically, I go from season one, episode one, up until the finale covering everything. I don't talk about Girlmates World because eh, Girlmates World doesn't even talk about them really. And so yeah, that's that video. Um, Next week, I'm actually doing another uh, kind of Boy Meets World, but it's more Girlmates World related about the uh, love triangle between uh, Riley, Maya and Lucas. And so if anyone wants to check out my channel as well for that, That'll be coming up. Is Sabrina Carpenter on your shirt, on your hoodie? She is. Ah! (laughs) I definitely want to hear your thoughts on that because I've actually Mm -hmm. watched Girl Beats World, so I have my own thoughts about, like, that love triangle. But you did such a good job when you did. Like, you made me realize how many times they were on again, off again. How many times they broke up. Yeah. yeah, Before they even got engaged. It's insanity. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? You guys talking, dude, I, we're, we might have to watch Girl Beats World. I've never watched it. Like, honestly, like I watched like three episodes and I was like, oh, this isn't the show that I grew up loving. This is in no relation connection connected to Boy Meets World other than the characters are are here. So um, I don't know if it's worth the watch, like if you're coming from a deep love and appreciation of Boy Meets World, but it feels like almost like a, a thing I have to yeah, I was going to ask if you guys were planning on continuing with the spinoff or not, because it is such Ugh. a different show. We haven't decided quite yet, but I will mm. say that, like, I've, I've watched it, and mm. I feel like there are traces of Boy Meets World there, but you also realize we're working with a different Disney channel, we're working with a different studio, For they sure. have different priorities, and, like, especially the stuff with Augie, Sometimes I'm just like, this just is not what we needed right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, what? I think probably if nothing else, maybe like watching a season and doing an episode or watching like the whole series and then just doing a recap of that yeah. series might we'll be something we do. Yeah, yeah, because I am very curious to find out how it how it goes. Um, mm-hmm. 
yeah all right for sure check out caitlin's channel we hi i highly <laughs> recommend it i as soon as i saw the video i sent it to cj and i was just like we we have to yeah, talk to her absolutely all right uh, T, what's her homework mine is you know i i saw pinocchio on netflix uh guillermo del toro's pinocchio it is a beautifully animated film. I have to say, like, I saw that Disney was doing their live action Pinocchio and I made a personal vow to myself that I'm never going to see another Disney live action movie. That's just me. <laughs> um, so I didn't watch it. And then when it got horrible reviews, I was like, duh, they've sucked at all of them. Um, but when I saw that this Pinocchio was all stop motion, it, I was just like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. And when I saw the animation, I was just so blown away with how gorgeous it was that, like, and the way they're telling Pinocchio's story is so much more, like, probably more in line with the grittiness of, like, the origin of the, the fairy tale versus Disney's retelling of it. And when you think about the story of Pinocchio, it's kind of a wild story anyway. It has no business really being a Disney movie anyway. Like the kids are smoking cigars and like turning into donkeys. It's terrifying stuff for children. But in this movie, they do it so well. And I just, again, like in terms of just like making art out of something and like the way that to see Disney's live at, like the way Disney's ap approached their Pinocchio remake of just like, hey, we're just going to throw a bunch of CGI in this. We're not going to take our time to develop the story beyond just like, mimicking what we did in the animated story it just feels like they have a an algorithm putting together their live action work whereas you see Guillermo del Toro taking time and patience to create art that's beautiful that you can pause any moment of it and you're like wow like all of these things are real like the thing I love too about if you go on Netflix and I don't know if this is true in Canada but in the U.S. if you go on Netflix there's a movie, but there's also like a half an hour short of just how they made it. And it's almost just as fascinating to see them create this like stop motion work and to see the the scales of the puppets that they're using and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was really pretty. And it's it's um it's it's a dark movie, but, you know, fairy tales can be that sometimes. And I just thought they did a really good job with it. So I, I highly recommend it. Sounds good. Siege. Okay. Uh, my homework this episode for those of you who want we were talking about families and fathers and all this other stuff I have started reading uh, Prince Harry's Spare like his autobiography Spare and that is a journey if you want to talk about <laughs> fathers and sons and brothers it just felt so fitting uh to be homework for this episode um i will not lie it's been a tough read mostly because it's so sad um there's a lot where you're like watching but again it's like a a grown man re-examining his trauma um i personally i'm like you don't have to uh, be pro, pro the royal family to have sympathy for a, a, a prince but like it is interesting to watch him tell his story his way to see how much the media has just been like this constant narrative in his life um, to see him tell his um, relationships with his father and his brother both who were heirs to the crown and him not being that uh, and what that does to a person's life and identity and all this other stuff. So again, for this particular episode where we were talking about all of those things, the book Spare by uh, Prince Harry uh, just felt very fitting. And I really encourage everyone to like read it, form your own opinions, but also just be very 
Um, yeah, again, like get your own opinion because I will say something that really bothers me is all the clips that are coming out are like, oh, Harry talks about his penis or Harry talks about like losing his virginity. And it's like, in both of those instances, he's also talking about something really tragic that happened around it. And like maybe in one sentence, he'll say, oh, and this happened. And that's what everyone focused on. So I'm like, please read the book, have the context and inform your own opinion. Uh, you know, Caitlin, uh, I know you kind of mentioned your YouTube channel. Where else can people find you? Like, what's what are you on Instagram? Where else can our listeners find more of your content? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. Kate McKillop, I think, over all three platforms. Um, but I'm, YouTube is my main home. That's where I'm talking about the shows. And, and what's your YouTube channel again? I'm sorry. It's full name, Caitlin McKillop. But also, if you just type in Caitlin Disney, I'm, I'm sure to come up. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin, thank you so much for hopping on and talking to us. Um, it's been a joy to get your perspective. Really looking forward to your future videos. And um, again, just everybody, make sure to look her up on social media and, and on YouTube. Yeah, thanks for thank coming on for such a heavy episode. <laughs> uh, but again, I hope we gave you plenty of fuel. So I want to see that Sean and Angela video. I want to see that Jack and Eric video. Like these are like <laughs> contents where it's like we will be there happily to support and uh and and see see where you land. Well, thank you guys so much. This was so fun. Oh wait, <laughs> well, you should probably tell our listeners like, hey, thank you so much for your support. Also, I just want to throw this out there. We've been getting so much fan response on our social media and our YouTube and just everything ever since our Pod Meets World episode dropped. You guys are incredible. We love the comments and the messages that we're getting. We're trying to have conversations with all of you. Keep it coming. Again, you guys can leave voice messages on our anchor page. All of those links are in the description. Um, so yeah, Remember thank you guys so much. Remember to reach out to us at Broad Meets World. Uh, you can find us at Broad Meets World on all the social platforms. You can find us uh, Broad Meets World on anywhere that you find podcasts. Please give us a rating. Uh, again, you guys have been fantastic. We love the feedback, so don't don't be shy at giving us a rating. Uh, five stars. Uh, five stars. And, and um, continue to reach out to us. And I think what T is saying is about time for us to wrap this up. So um, remember to dream to try it's fine if you don't know do good is like what like do the i get to say the third yeah, part yeah you get to say the third part okay let's do it we do this every single time we, love we do this to every guest we throw it at them we just we don't want to see we just want to see yeah all right so remember to dream to try and do good yay Later, bros. When the spawn meets world.